Welcome, everyone, to the newest edition of the Walker AC Experience. I'm your host, as of always, Walker AC, otherwise known to you, my friends, and yes, you are my friends, otherwise known as Adrian. And once again, this is a basic one-on-one episode. It's been a while since I've done this, but I think I'm back in the saddle again. I think it's time for just a simple one-on-one with all of you out there. And of course, this episode is brought to you by podbean.com, where you can find our shows under walkerac76.podbean.com. That's walkerac76.podbean.com. And of course, where you can reach me, all the links are down below. Of course, be sure to subscribe comment, like, and everything in between. Today is a very good day. We have a special guest here who has a tremendous passion. And of course, we're all about opportunities here at the Walker AC Experience, enlightening new people, keep an open mind on new things. And of course, we're gonna get you started here directly into it. I'd like to introduce a very good friend of mine for over 20 years. He has an incredible gift, and he would like to share that with you to the world. I'd like to introduce David White. David, how are you doing today? Not too bad. How about yourself? Doing all right. Thank you so much for joining the show. We have so much to get to, but before we do, tell us a little bit about your passion. Uh, well, I I kind of got into three D printing. I'm not a professional. I, I'm not the I'm not the cat's meow when it comes to it. But I do like what I do, so I just I, I, I do it in my free time. I, I'm not doing it for anything other than my own personal enjoyment and to, to show other people what you can do, um, how to do it, you know, do it for yourself, man. You have a lot of friends of mine out there on, on YouTube. One of my guys says, um, you know, make something out of nothing. You know, another guy says, go and try to finish something. So that, that's basically what I stick with. Uh, and I just, I've been doing this for not as long as other people have, but, uh, I, mean, I just, I really like it. It's a passion. It's, it's what I do in my free time, just to kind of blow off steam from work. That's awesome. Now, how did you get into, you know, to doing three D printing? Because I know not a whole lot of people do it. Not a whole lot of people really heard of it. So, I mean, dip into it a little bit. Uh, well, three D printing, um, it's essentially where you take a, you, you take an object that you want to make, and you can do, uh, you, you can make it. In, in three dimensions. I mean, something that was not there five minutes ago is now there. Uh, for instance, just one of the things that I've made is uh, my wife has a blender, and uh, whenever we would go to do any kind of meat grinding, the uh, meat would actually, some of the bits would, you know, kind of shoot across the room. So got tired of that, so I actually took the measurements and uh, made a little attachment that goes on the front of the blender that actually makes the, the meat go down into the bowl instead of, you know, on the side of the refrigerator. Um, the, uh, the, the little, uh, knob that goes on one of her, uh, crock pots broke off. So I created a new knob for that. Uh, I just, it's just little tiny things like that. Just, you know, it, it's very versatile if you, if you take the time to teach yourself and that's really what it is. You can go to college, you can, you can take courses and that's all great. Uh, but if you take the time to teach yourself, then you can actually make just about anything you want. Now, <coughs> excuse me, with this hobby that you're doing, now is it expensive to do or can just anybody do it? Anybody can do it. Um, it's only as expensive as you want it to be. Uh, like myself, I only have one 3D printer, so I, I print one object at a time. Uh, there are people who actually do this as a business and I've actually seen a guy on YouTube that has, oh my gosh, I think I lost count at like 50 printers, 50 3D printers all set up in a big giant warehouse printing 50 different things at one time. Uh, the There's different ways of printing. You have the filament method, which 
looks like uh, weed whacker film, you know, weed whacker line uh, that that's called. I think it's called FDM. Uh, you also have uh, resin, which that has a lot better quality, and you can print smaller things with it. But it does take a certain amount of skill and know how in order to get it to cure properly and cleaned up properly because the resin is kind of toxic. <laughs> so you just have to be really careful with what you do. Um, you have industrial printers uh, that can even print metal. Uh, I don't know if anybody's seen it, but uh, Adam Savage had a show. I don't remember what the name of the show was, but uh, he actually printed a full, or had somebody print a full Iron Man costume for him out of titanium powder. And essentially what they did was it was it layered the, the, the titanium dust and then you know shot the resin in there and it or, or the laser in there to melt the titanium and it actually turned it into solid metal that it, it actually was bulletproof so you can print just about anything now as you started this i may mention earlier you know how'd you get into something like this can can any well, just everyday normal joe schmo spend the money go online order the products or is there a certain step-by-step -step process of course you get the machine and get the materials, sure. what do you recommend someone to start off with? I mean, someone just basic bare bones. Uh, somebody who's never done it before and they just want to want to try it out, uh, there's a lot of different printers out there. You can get small printers with, you know, for like a couple hundred dollars. You can, uh, so for somebody just starting out, I would recommend something like that. Um, filament is, the, the PLA filament is probably the most readily available and easiest to work with filament that there is. Uh, you, you can use other things like PETG, ABS, carbon fiber, wood, you know, there, there's all different types of filaments, but PLA is probably the easiest one. Uh, there's a really good website, it's not a promotion for them at all, but there's a really good website called Thingiverse. And people go on there and they upload their files uh, for free. And you can download just any of those files and then just throw it into what's called a slicer program. Like I use uh, Ultimaker Cura. Uh, my printer itself is a CR10. And uh, it, it almost does it itself. Uh, you just put it into the program, tell it to slice it up, ready to print, hit print, and you know, you're good to go. Uh, the only thing you have to do, though, is you do have to watch the printer because you have to make sure that the that the bed is heated properly, the, the uh, nozzle is clean, and, and you have to make sure that everything is leveled so that when you start printing, you don't end up with a big, massive hunk of goo that dries all over your, your uh, nozzle and uh, creates a massive headache. Now, see something like that to me. I've seen some of your some of your work. Now, for those of you who haven't seen your work, you mentioned you know you're setting the program, and you're letting everything else do the work. Um, maintenance, as far as that goes, is that an expensive thing to do, or is is your basic set it and forget it kind of method? Uh, the most you know, you do have uh, just like with anything, you have consumables. Uh, I think the most. The most thing that I've spent the time replacing are the nozzle tips, which are little brass tips that actually heat up and, and melt your your filament to deposit it where it needs to go. Those can get clogged uh, quite often, so you should keep a good supply of those. Uh, and also, uh, what else is there? I think the, uh, the, the Teflon tube that, uh, if you don't have what's called a... The, if you don't have what's called a direct drive where it pulls it directly in because it's a motor that actually pulls with a gear pulls the filament in um some people have direct drive where it the motor pulling the filament in is right on top of your print head uh but if you don't have one of those like what i have with the cr10 uh there's a teflon tube that the filament is pushed through um i've had to replace that a few times uh but over the past i think i've had my printer now for like four or five years and I think the only thing major that I've had to replace on it is uh, the Y-axis motor, the one that actually makes the, the platform move back and forth, because that one just, it, it wore out over time. So, I mean, maintenance is, is pretty simple, uh, as long as you as long as long you treat it right and clean it up, uh, you know, on a regular basis, you know, just like a car, you know, it'll, it'll last you for quite a while, and you don't really have that much expense with it other than spending like $20 per roll for the filament. 
And now $20 per roll, how long would something like that last if you're going to create a, say for example, a helmet or create a glove for like a convention or something like that? I know it's a pretty kind of broad kind of question to ask, but how often would you need just to buy more filament or depending upon how big the project is? With the, uh, with the filament, it really does depend on what you're printing. Um, if you're printing something basic like uh, I have a droid that I'm printing right now that I have the shoulders for it and something like that, it didn't take a whole lot. But the body, the upper body of that droid took nearly, let's say like three quarters of a roll. And now when I talk about the rolls, there's different size rolls. The most common one to get right now is a one kilogram roll. Uh, and I think I've was I? I can't remember how many rolls I used on uh, this project that I'm working on right now. I think I'm about on my just about to get my fourth roll to to finish printing up this uh, this current project. Nice. And you mentioned something about droids, and we're going to get to that in a moment because this is the main crux of the interview, the conversation. Um, what else? about 3D printers you want to tell us before we dip into the other subject about droids? Uh, well, if you're going to do uh, 3D printing, there are a couple of things to think about. Uh, whatever you design, you just have to make sure that uh, it's going to fit on your platform. Uh, you got to make sure that you have it oriented properly because, for instance, uh, on this one droid that I'm printing right now, there are pegs that uh, hold the, that you use to line up the body parts. Uh, those pegs, if you printed them, uh, if you can imagine like a broom handle sticking out or a pencil, if you printed it standing up, because it, it prints in layers, you know, so it's layer one, layer two, on and on. If you print it standing up to where the layers are on top of each other, then it's very, very weak. But if you, if you turn that object 90 degrees, then what you're doing is you're printing the layer that is the length of that object and it, it gives a little bit more strength. So you just have to be careful about the orientation of the object that you're printing. Um, one of the other things is if you're going to be printing something incredibly large, like for the, you know, uh, the one that I'm doing right now, the head, I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be nice and strong, but I didn't want it to be so heavy with so much filament. So there, there is a, an option in there called the infill, which is basically the, the inner strength, the, the inner parts of the, uh, the, the object. You basically drop that down so you don't have so much weight in there, and then all of your strength comes from the outer layers or the walls, and uh, you can always bring that up. So you just you kind of have to play with it to figure out uh, what you want to do if you want to have you know strength versus uh you know, versus, you know, the size, you know, the bottom of the body, I printed that one at like a 10% infill just because it's holding everything. It's, that is the main piece, but you know, I didn't want the head to go toppling over. So I printed that one a little bit lighter and the head is bigger than the bottom of the body. But when you pick the two of them up, the head is lighter than the bottom, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Now to kind of jump back and forth a little bit, you you've been doing this for for you know for quite a while for a couple of years. So say for example, a novice wants to jump into three D printing. What are the basic things they need to know? Because right now, looking at your work, which we'll touch on here briefly, what would you what would your initial instructions to be for a novice? You know that goes out and buys a three D printer and has a filament and they have the basic things that they need. How would you coach them along? You know, to, you know, like you know, you know, to make their first three D printer, make their first object. You know, what, like you know, like you know, what would you tell you know just someone new to the game to this? Um, I would tell them to do what I didn't do and uh, print a benchy. A benchy is a is just it, it's the name they gave to this little boat. I, I don't remember where I got it from, but uh, that website I mentioned, Thingiverse.com. If you go on there and you search benchy boat uh it is basically just a small tugboat kind of like steamboat willy tugboat and it that is probably one of the best beginner objects to make uh if, you, if you've never done it before do something simple like that there's also uh what they call calibration cubes where it's 
it prints a cube with the with the letters X, Y, and Z on the specific axis that it's on. Uh, so like the Z would be the, the top because that's it's print you know Z is up and down, uh, X is left and right, and Y is front to back. So calibration cubes, uh, and, and also before anybody gets started with it, just do a lot of research because your first print is going to suck. Uh, it's, you're you're going to screw up. Uh, and so that would be the best advice is just to expect the unexpected, expect your first print to suck, expect to spend hours upon hours upon hours of testing and printing before you even get your first successful object. But main thing I would say is don't give up if that's something you want to do don't let your don't let the don't let the failures stop you because if you're going to already be a couple hundred dollars into it with a printer and a program and filament and you know all the other stuff that goes along with it don't give up because you're just gonna you're gonna make your feels you gotta make yourself feel like crap if you if you spend all that money and then you just give up on it because you have a failure gotcha now, for the years that you've been doing this, once again, going back to the novice part, you know, you're, of course, you're coaching people along not to give up on this. So with someone's due diligence and they keep on pushing at it and pushing at it, in your opinion, how long do you think it would take for them, you know, just to create something basic? Um, I'll go back to the helmet theory, to go back to a helmet, to go back to a shoe or a cube. How long do you feel that you'll, you know, they will take them to get used to, get used to making 3d printer you know to get used to creating things along with it i mean how how long do you think it'll take them uh if i had to guess i would say give it at least a month of printing just basic shapes and basic objects before you go diving into the larger stuff because you can get to the point where you know like i said i i I will always say this i am not an expert i just i like doing what i do you can get to a point where, similar to where I am, where you are able to print all the body pieces for a droid or, or a helmet and be able to get it all looking nice and, and dialed in and get it put together. But just take some time. Don't don't jump into the deep end first. You know, start off with a small step. Give yourself at least a month, if not more, before you start trying to, to uh, make the bigger stuff. Now, with this passion, this passion project that you've been working on for quite a while, can this be profitable? Or do you see it more like a hobby than anything? Well, it can be both. Um, I'm not looking to make any money off of it. I mean, I have thought about doing a Patreon page just because, you know, it does take time and money to do the videos and to buy the filament and to, you know, make sure that my 3D printer's running properly and, um, Unfortunately, I just lost my uh, my one of my hard drives the other day that had a lot of my original 3D designs on there. So I'm going to be spending money trying to get that hard drive uh, recovered. Uh, but you know, I it, this is not. I, I wouldn't say go into this expecting to make money because the droids that I'm printing were made by the files were made by somebody else, uh, and it's just it's considered you know not a good thing. To put it lightly, if you start selling something based on what somebody else made, it's just not a good thing. So, I mean, if you want to start learning how to do it yourself, you know, learning how to how to do design and and uh, making stuff on your own, then yeah, I mean, it, it depends on your skill level, depends on your dedication. Uh, you can sell your own files if you want to, uh, but as far as as far as what I'm doing, I'm just doing it because I want to. I, I'm doing it because it's a hobby. It's a, it's a way for me to, to relax and get away from the, my 9 to 5 job on the weekend, uh, spend some time with my kids. You know, my daughter's really excited about the new one that I'm doing. She really wants to help me. So that's a, that's a positive. Now, you mentioned selling files. Now, I don't want to get confused. You mean selling your product or what, what is selling files? 3D printing files... Uh, they, they're more commonly known as the STLs because that's just the, the extension, you know, like DWG or, or uh, PSD, you know, people probably know what those are. Uh, STL is the most common format for a 3D file. And uh, like I, you know, just to, to get into what I'm doing right now, there's a, a Facebook group called Droid Division 
run by a guy named, uh, another guy named David uh, from England. And uh, he actually has spent a lot of time perfecting the files uh, so that, it, you know, just like you have a picture file, you know, you have a JPEG and you put that into your, your photo bucket or your Photoshop and you work on that. Uh, you can alter anything you want, you know, but it's your picture. And if you want to sell that picture, you created the picture, you did the modifications, you can, you have a right to sell it. Well, this guy, uh, this other David guy, he actually created the, uh, the files for these droids. And it's not just one file that you put on your printer and let it print. It's, it's all the different pieces, like the head, the, the head pieces of the one I'm doing right now, I think has like 10 different parts. You know, so each one of those parts is its own individual file. But altogether, he sells them on a website. Uh, I think he sells them on Etsy. And uh, so you, you purchase the right to use those files because he spent time doing it. You know, he's not doing this for, you know, for recognition. He's doing this because he wants to do it and people want to buy it. So, you know, why not make a little bit of money off of your time? Interesting. So to get this straight, so with a 3D printer, instead of selling the actual what you create, you actually sell the files that create it. Yes, because it's uh, it's a lot easier nowadays uh, to get things out there, uh, especially with 3D printing and with so many people having 3D printing abilities. It's a lot easier to sell a file than it is to sell an actual physical object. I mean, I, I used to do costume and prop making under a company called Mandalorian Arsenal, and I did... Uh, I handcrafted helmets out of Bondo and, and other material and then did the, you know, the silicon molding and the rotocasting and that's where you put the mold into a machine and pour the liquid in there and spin it and it, it forms a helmet. Um, selling something like that involves buying the material to make the helmet, you know, buying the material to, to make the, the molds, you know, buying the resin to actually make the final product, uh, the time it takes to clean it up. And then, you know, the shipping is outrageous to get it to people. When if I created it on the computer using my, my program, I use Blender. It's, it's free. Anybody can get Blender. And uh, you create the file on Blender and then you sell the file. Uh, if it's worth it, you can sell the file and somebody else can then spend all their time with the with the 3D printer and the filament and, and the time to finish it to, you know, to, to make it for themselves. I like that. Interesting. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit because you said the word droid and Mandalorian. So, of course, you know, people understand that you, you, know, you make items for Star Wars. And also, once again, I'm going to assume because I know you, but my, my listeners do not. You are a big Star Wars fan. So you have taken that 3D printer to good use and now making Star Wars parts. But let me go back a little bit. You have made Star Wars I don't want to say costumes. You made Star Wars molds before. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's uh, that it's basically one and the same. Um, back in, I want to say 2008, uh, well, let me, let me go back a little bit further. Back in 1997, when uh, the special editions of Star Wars was released, uh, I actually saw a couple of guys in North Carolina who made their own Stormtrooper costumes from scratch. They, they made the molds. They learned how to do all the stuff. They made their costumes and went into the premieres, the, well, the, the premieres of the re-release of the special editions. Um, and they got a lot of notoriety from it. And then one of those guys named Alvin Johnson actually went on to start the 501st Costume Club. Uh, and they've become, like, really, you know, they, they're huge. They're all over the world. As a matter of fact, George Lucas actually honored them in uh, Episode 3, uh, Revenge of the Sith. With that, you know, when you see that scene where Anakin's leading the clone troopers in the blue up the stairs to go into the Jedi Temple, they called them the 501st. And, you know, so they, they're very, very big, very influential. It all started with this guy, Alvin, making his own costume. Um, I really did want to join, but I didn't have the money to buy my own costume from one of their members. So I started looking into what it would take to do that for myself. Right about 2007, I found a group called the Mandalorian Mercs, uh, started by uh, Tom Hutchins up in North Carolina as well. And they based their costumes off of Boba Fett and Jango Fett from the prequel series. Uh, and there's another, another series called Republic Commando. 
uh, written by an author named Karen Travis, and uh, that basically highlighted and detailed the Mandalorian culture. Uh, then there was all the comic books and the, the video games and stuff like that. So uh, what Tom did was he actually founded the Mandalorian Mercs to make costumes based on the design of armor from Boba Fett. And in 2008, I actually became a member of the Mandalorian Mercs with my own armor costume. And truth be told, it sucked. I mean, by today's standards, it really sucked. I mean, seriously, I found a pattern for the helmet on a website called The Dented Helmet. And it was a good pattern. You know, it was a great pattern. I actually made it out of garage sale signs and covered it in Bondo. And the armor itself that I wore on my body was made from, you know, that, that resin-coated poster board. <laughs> and I had a Nerf gun as my weapon. <laughs> I didn't have Boba Fett's gun. I had a Nerf gun. So, yeah, it sucked. But, you know, it, it, was, it was at least a start. You know, I, I always wanted to do something better, so uh, I actually started doing some more research, reading books on the subject, watching a ton of videos on YouTube on how to do stuff like the rotocasting and the vacuum forming. Uh, in 2009, after watching a, uh, a video series on YouTube uh, by a guy named Andrew Ainsworth, that's actually the guy who made the original Stormtrooper costumes and a bunch of the other stuff for Star Wars, uh, I decided to start my own little hobby project and I needed a name. So I was a Mandalorian Merc. So I called it the Mandalorian Arsenal. Um, and I, I started making, I started trying to make better armor pieces just for myself. Well, this guy saw that I was making my uh, vacuum form table, which is basically just a table with holes at the top of the vacuum cleaner on the bottom, sucking the air out. And I had converted an oven. So it would be big enough to heat up, uh, a two-foot-by-two-foot two piece of plastic, uh, this guy messaged me and says, hey, can you make me some stuff? And I'm like, well, what do you want to make? And he goes, well, you know those those gauntlets that you're making from the Death Watch characters, season two of Star Wars Clone Wars? He said, I want 20 sets. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so that kind of that kind of got me hooked, and I started making more and more stuff from that. So in 2015, I was actually making enough i had built up enough of a client base that i was making more in three days of sales than i was at a full week at my part-time job at a church so i quit that job and i started doing that i started doing the costume making full-time and it, it was really it, i really had a lot of fun at it it was a great fun time i had a couple of friends helping me um and you know we we produced a lot of stuff i had a my biggest year was 2017 with celebration fit uh Celebration 7 in Orlando. Uh, but then shortly after that, unfortunately, I started developing arthritis in my hands. So my quality started to go downhill, and so did my sales. Uh, so I actually quit doing that, went back to my regular day job. Um, but uh, I, I made some bad decisions uh, in 2019 when I first started feeling the effects of the arthritis. I actually thought about, you know, hey, I, I need to learn more about 3D printing, because at that time, I, I was just tinkering with it on the side. I had bought a, a DaVinci XYZ printer. Uh, it program sucked. The DaVinci was very glitchy. It was very temperamental. So I had almost given up on it, and I'm like, no, I, I need to, I really need to get into this. So that's uh, right about the time that I, I bought my new uh, CR10, and I started teaching myself 3D printing. And I was getting pretty decent at it, but I think I, uh, I think I jumped on that bus a little bit too late because um, if I had gotten into it a little bit earlier, I probably would have been doing more of it now. So you know, I, I, I kind of just had to, to, to put it all to the side so I could focus on a nine to five job, making money to provide for my family. I see. So uh -huh. when you made your when you made your first um, costume, I guess, and you said it sucked. You really didn't dabble into the 3D printing that much, but I mean, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of passion. Yeah. It takes a lot, a lot of work to get that first costume done. So, Absolutely. you know, so when you said it sucked, I mean, in your opinion, what made it suck so bad versus people who actually saw the the, the finished product? Well, you know, sucking is you know a, a subjective term. One person's suckage is another person's superior. Uh, 
but you know, looking back at it, I, I know I put a lot of effort into it, and at the time it was great because you had limited resources. Uh, in 2009, as a matter of fact, you know, the 3D printing has come a long way. You know, we've had 3D printers now for God, 40 years, something like that. But uh, I, I can remember my dad coming home from work one day. He used to be an electrical engineer at NASA. He came home one day and he was all excited about this brand new machine that has powder in it. It shoots resin in it, and and after about you know about 14, 15 hours, you can actually have a an object that you can pick up and hold in your hand, and it's really awesome, you know. So three D printing has been around for quite a while, but in two thousand and nine, a three the same three D printer that I'm using about half the size of that would cost about four times as much, you know. I mean, you've seen Big Bang Theory when. Uh, when, uh, what is it, Raj and Howard get their 3D printer, and he's like, I'm selling my half of the printer. It's, you know, we're getting a used printer for $5,000, and it's like, what? When you can buy one now for $200 and, and basically make your own after that? So 3D printing has, and, and costume making and, and, you know, things like that, they've come a long way. It's become a lot more accessible because of 3D printing. Uh, back in 2008, when I made my first costume, like I said, there was a pattern that I found on the man, on uh, the dented helmet uh, done by a guy named Alan Sinclair, and he had actually taken the time to figure out. Uh, there, there's another process called pepicura, which is it's an Oriental word for paper folding, where he had actually taken the time to figure out the sizes and the dimensions of the lines that he needed to draw using Photoshop or Illustrator, whichever one he used to make these patterns where when you cut them out of the plastic and you stick them together like you're supposed to, it's going to look like a Boba Fett helmet. So, you know, he did all this by hand just from measurements. And nowadays you can just, you know, use a 3D printer or the, the 3D design program like Blender. There's a lot of them out there. But you can use a 3D program like Blender and you can create the same thing in about the same amount of time to where you print it on your printer and you have the solid piece with like a tenth of the work. Yes, that's definitely a good thing. I mean, considering the fact how far technology has come, especially for a 3D printer. Now, yeah. going it's back, too. You know, now going back, when you made that first, when you made your first costume, how long did that take you to do something like that? Maybe like a month or two months or how long did it take? Uh, well, I was working in construction at the time, so it took me off and on, it took me a little bit over a year to get everything together because it wasn't just making the helmet, you know, and, and finishing that up. It wasn't just making the armor and painting that. It was also getting all of the other stuff together. Like, you know, it, making a costume is not just as simple as going to the store at Halloween. You know, if you want a good quality costume, you got to spend some time for with it. So it was, uh, I think the only thing that I really bought for that costume that I didn't make other than the jumpsuit. And the boots, obviously. I think the only thing I bought for that costume that I had somebody else make for me was the vest, you know, so that the chest armor, the back armor could hang off of it. So I think, you know, I, I think that's the only thing that I, I, I let somebody else make for me. But uh, it took me about a year to get everything together because I started, like I said, in 2007. And 2008, right before the movie, uh, the, the Clone Wars movie, the cartoon movie came out in the theaters. That's when I got my membership was, I think, October of uh, 2008. Hmm, I see. And along with, and now once again, I have been in David's cave and I've seen everything you've created. And the Dave cave. The, yeah, the Dave cave. And it's just amazing. <laughs> now, it, here's a two-part question for you. Part Question number one. Um, how many pieces have you made in total ever since starting with this passion? I know it's a pretty, pretty broad question but part one and part two uh, <laughs> and part two um have you donated some of your craft or have you um made a good a, a, a decent living for that time frame with what you were creating and a part little 2a to that um you around that time you probably had use of a 3d printer your own materials was it cost the materials more than what you earned well, you know, like I said, I didn't really get myself into 3D printing until after I was done with the business. But as far as, you know, I was trying to supplement it, you know, to, to try to put more into it. But as far as, you know, your first thing, uh, your first question, 
Uh, you said how many pieces have I made? Yes. Um, well, if, <laughs> I uh, I kind of lost count at five thousand pieces um, of of the uh, vacuum form armor sets, and I think I've made close to five hundred or more helmets uh, using rotocasting. Um, I didn't really get into the three D printing so much to sell. It was just trying to complement what I was already doing. Uh, but uh, the the I think the second question you asked was did I did I you know have I donated anything? Um, Jonathan actually, my son Jonathan, who's now twenty, God, I feel old. Uh, when he was eight years old, is when he actually also became. Uh, one of the youngest members of the Mandalorian Mercs back then. Uh, they do have new rules now. You have to, you know, kid can't become a member by himself. Parent or guardian has to be a member as well. But he actually had, went through several of his own costumes that I made for him. One of his costumes that I made, uh, right as he outgrew it, um, you know, the, the costume groups are charity groups. You know, the, the 501st has their phrase, bad guys doing good, or something along those lines. I, I may have messed that up. Um, yeah, they're, they're the sister group, the Rebel, Le- Rebel Alliance or Rebel Legion, sorry, the Rebel Legion. Uh, you know, they, all these people they do good things, and one of the biggest things that the Five Hundred First is known for, and Mandalorian Mercs do as well, and the Rebel Legion is going to children's hospitals and you know doing like Make a Wish stuff. Well, there was one kid that um, he had a. I don't think it was a Make a Wish, but the 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 word got passed down that he really wanted his own Mandalorian armor, and he had terminal he had a he, he had a terminal illness. So um, I talked to Jonathan at that time. It was I think he was like twelve or thirteen years old at the time, and I said, "Hey, bud, you're out. You've outgrown this armor. I'm going to make you some new stuff. How about we give it to this kid who who may not he." Truth be told, he may not live very long, but why don't we make him happy? And my son said, absolutely. So I packaged up all the armor parts and I sent them off to this kid. And um, I have a picture somewhere on my, I think it's on my Facebook page, of this kid wearing Jonathan's armor from that age. And... um, Not too long after that, I found out that he had passed away so you know it's it's tough you know you want to you want to be good you want to be kind want to be you know you, you want to be giving um but it's you know it, it's it's kind of hard when you when you do all that work to make somebody happy and you, you really hope for the best but then you find out that they've still passed on uh, so that was my biggest one I, I really didn't have a whole lot of other opportunities to do that for people um, but that was that was my biggest one. And that's awesome. You know, the main thing is it made him happy, and it gave him a good wish, and that is tremendous. Um, to to piggyback on that, now once again, I mean, was the risk versus the reward greater for you as far as spending money on all the materials, or getting some sort of kickback if someone made an order for you? Um, you know, when I was doing this as a business, I, I've always, I've always had a giving heart. You know, if somebody says, Hey, I want, you know, it's like, okay, great. Let me see what I can do for you. But at the same time, you know, I was doing this as a business, you know, with, with the making of the costume stuff, I was doing it as a business. So I needed to think about my bottom line. Um, and yeah, when it, when it got to the point where, uh, not just me wanting to give my time, uh, but you know the arthritis and everything it, it actually started costing me more to keep it going so I, I had to make a choice so at that time when I made that choice I was like you know do I, I keep doing what I what I find is fun because I always wanted it to be fun I always wanted it to be a hobby but you know it, it did turn into a business and once it did that it became less fun uh, it became more about the, the job than the joy and so now that I'd stopped doing that in 2019, it's I've gotten back to the joy, which is 
why I'm now doing uh, my YouTube channel, The Droid Workshop, and I'm doing the 3D printing now to make all of these droids because I just, I have joy, and I, I feel like now, now that I have a good, stable, steady income outside of the props and the costumes, I can actually, you know, give joy to other people, help other people. But <laughs> one of my videos, my wife looked at it, and she goes, this looks like a How It's Made video. I'm like, yeah, it's because I'm showing how it's made. <laughs> and also, on top of that, you know, of course, I mean, what, what you're doing is tremendous. Um, no, you know, no disputing that. And here's something for you. Which costume, what creation that you've done over the years since you started with this passion, what is your chef's kiss? And, and explain what it is. Oh, my goodness. Um, that's a tough one. That, that really is a tough one because um, I think the, the one that a lot of people, it's, it's been a point of contention for, for some people, but uh, uh, that, that's, a, that's a topic for another story. Um, I actually had a, I, I was doing a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, my, primarily, my primary focus was Mandalorian armor, Mandalorian-based armor. Um, but I think I would have to say the, the one that I did that I really liked the most out of all of them was, uh, I had a guy from California that, uh, two things that I did for him. He, he, I was doing things on commission where, you know, they asked you to say, Hey, can you do thus and such? And so you either say, yeah, I'll try that out or, you know, go blow smoke because you don't want to do it. Well, this guy approached me and he said, I would really like to make the costume of the characters Smoke and Cyrax from Mortal Kombat, Annihilation. And I was like, that ain't Star Wars, but, you know, I might as well because, you know, it, it looks like it would be fun. So I think even though I didn't sell a whole lot of those, I think he personally bought about 10 of those costumes from me. Um, and it was just, it was a, it was a, it was a joy teaching myself how to make that stuff. I, I actually, <laughs> actually had to use the, where the sports pads, you know, the, the, the shin pads and the, the bracers and stuff like that just to make the molds for it for vacuum forming. But the helmet, the helmet was the most fun I think I've ever had in making a helmet. Just trying to make sure that everything was symmetrical. Trying to make sure that all the lines were crisp and the the uh, you know it wasn't lopsided. And making sure that you know because I don't know if anybody if if, ever, if people have seen Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but Smoke and Cyrex. Smoke was the gray. Cyrex was the yellow. Um, he basically he had tendrils at the top of his helmet, and in the movie you can't really tell what those tendrils are. So I had to figure out what to use, and I was walking through Home Depot one day, and I happened to look at the uh, down the electrical aisle, and I'm like, ha, look, you know, the, the little MC cable, you know, the, the, the spirally metal cable, and I'm like, that will do it. So I actually got that and put that on there for him. Uh, the chest plate itself, I ended up having to do a cutout in the middle, for uh, a really, really detailed work that I actually sculpted by hand that's before I did 3D printing. And I actually sculpted all of that by hand, and he was so impressed by what I did, like I said, he, he personally bought like 10 costumes off of me. Uh, I didn't make a whole lot from it, but you know that was probably that was probably the most fun costume I ever built. Now with something like that, going back, how long did something like that take? Uh, I don't really remember. I think it took me about about six months total, and most of that was just sculpting the helmet, just making sure that I had everything proper with the helmet. But consider at the same time, I was also you know I was also selling other things, and I had to work on those other things. So I didn't. Work, I think if I had if I had to work on just that one costume at one time. 
it probably would have taken me about a month to two months to get everything ready to go for this customer for this customer uh but you know it took me about six months i guess to six months maybe longer to get everything ready in amongst doing all my other stuff okay no i like that now and how would you compare yourself to others as far as working 3d printers um you know building molds making costumes how would you compare yourself to, to other people doing this now, because well, once again, I, you know, I know that's kind of an unfair question because versus people no, have been doing yeah, this for years, yeah. other people starting stuff, you know, stuff of that nature. Oh, it's perfectly fair. I mean, if you if you look out there, there's a guy from England who sells. Uh, well, let me let me back up a little bit. Uh, I talked about the five hundred first. They they have some pretty strict requirements. Uh, their costumes, when you make it, it has to look like it just stepped off the screen. Uh, the Stormtrooper costumes are basically the easiest ones because they're all white. Uh, but the most, I think the most complex one, you would think it was Darth Vader, but I think the most complex costume that you could make for the 501st for screen accuracy is Boba Fett. Because you don't just have, you know, like Darth Vader, I think, had like three different incarnations, one for each film. And now he's got more based on, you know, Rogue One and uh, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith at the very end. So there's a total of five different incarnations of Darth Vader. I think there's more than that of Boba Fett. Because each time he appeared on the screen, there was something a little bit different. So their requirements are like, if you're going to be Boba Fett, you have to pick. It's not like the toys that you buy where it's one incarnation of Boba Fett with just a few little dents and scratches and, and paint nicks here and there. It's, you know, which film are you from? Are you from, you know, episode five where he's meets, where he first gets Han Solo? Are you episode six where he falls into the Sarlacc pit? Are you episode four special edition where he comes walking through the screen where he never was before? Um, are you him in, uh, oh gosh, there's a, there's a whole bunch of other ones. And then now we're going to have the one where are you Cobb Vanth from the Mandalorian series? Are you the new Boba Fett from Mandalorian series? Are you the new, new Boba Fett from the book of Boba Fett? You know, so there's so many different incarnations of that costume. So it's, it, it's just, it depends on which one you want and you have to be strict about it. Well, then there's also... Uh, there's also the Django Fett. You know, you only see him in episode two. But those armor pieces, there is a guy from England who makes them to the specifications of the 501st requirements. So as soon as you buy it, you can put the costume on and you can get your membership with 501st. That's how good it is. If I were to compare myself to him, I would say I'm, I, I'm afraid to drown in the kiddie pool based on the quality of that guy's work. So, uh, to touch, so, so, to, so to touch on being strict, I'm sorry, me interrupt. To touch on being okay. st strict guidelines. So, if you choose Boba Fett from from Episode Three, will they look at the costume as you know um, from head to toe, looking at the grooves, the dents, the particular mixing of the colors? Are they are they that strict, or yes. are, really okay? Well, it's, it's all for a good reason, though. I mean, if, if you're if you're going to say that, you know, if you're going to try to, if you're going to go to a, you, if you're going to go to a kids' hospital or a convention or anything like that, you know, and you want your costume to say, you know, I am, I, I stepped off the screen of Empire Strikes Back. I, you know, I just my my slave one, or excuse me, the fire spray is out back. I just stepped off there. I still got Han Solo and Carbonite. I'm on my way to take him to see Jabba the Hutt. You know, if you're just then stepped off the screen, that's what, you know, if you're going to say that's what you are, you need to look like that. If you're going to say, you know, I, I'm just about to get on Java Sail Barge, even though I know I'm going to be sucked down by a giant, you know, by, by a giant beak in the ground in the middle of the sand, you have to look like that. So it's just, you know, it, it, there are strict regulations, but it's for a good reason because you can't just... You know, they, they had a problem in the beginning with people were putting on bathrobes and saying, I'm a Jedi, you know, carrying a broom handle. That That's not a Jedi. <laughs> that's a guy in a bathrobe carrying a broom handle. You know, so you, they have their strict regulations as to uh, what the costumes would be. 
And yes, as far as like the placement of the dents and you know the, the color choices and everything, that's probably one of the reasons why I got into the Mandalorian Mercs instead. Not that I, you know, I, I wanted to be a part of the Five O First. I wanted to do a costume for them. I was working on a costume for the character Dengar, the guy that's got the big towel, the turban wrapped around his head, you know, in the in the brown stormtrooper outfit. Um, I wanted to do that, but you know, I just I, I was attracted more to the Mercs because there's more variety it's you know as long as your costume uh, you know as long as it looks like it's something that you would wear in everyday wear you know it has a a form and function you know it doesn't matter if there's a dent on the left or the right it doesn't matter if there's a scratch uh, underneath the brow or on the gauntlet it doesn't matter it's all part of your character Hmm, I see now as much time has passed now that you've you know, rediscovered your passion for doing this. What do you see for yourself as you continue to do this? I mean, how many more years do you see yourself doing this? I mean, do you do you feel that you'll put all your work on display, you know, so people can admire it, purchase it, use it, stuff of that? Or do you feel yourself just stopping after a while? Oh, well, I'm going to do this as long as I can. I mean, I, I enjoy it. It's a pastime. It's a hobby. And, and um, I just, it, it's something that I enjoy, and as long as I'm able to physically do it, I'm going to do it. Some people buy cars, and they, they rebuild their cars. They have a garage with a, you know, a 1955 Chevy sitting in the garage with no doors, no windows, no trunk, no whatever, and it's their passion to keep working on that until it's done. My passion is just to keep doing this as long as I can. Uh, right now, because of COVID, I know they're starting to reopen a lot of uh, conventions. And one of these days, I would love to be able to take my droids to the convention and, and put them into the, the droid room and let people look at them and say, oh, my gosh, let me take a picture, you know, because that's what they did when I was in my Mandalorian costume. They they would stop me in the halls and say, I want a picture with you. And I'm like, OK, you know, because it's, it's just I'm doing it for fun. I'm not, I'm not doing what I'm doing now. I'm not doing it for money, and I don't plan on selling anything anymore. But, you know, if people want the files, you know, like I said, I want, I'm want. i thinking about starting up a Patreon just to, you know, just to keep this hobby going. If, if I ever do, then, yeah, I may still, I may have a few exclusives on there that only Patreon members can get, but I'm not interested in, in making money off of it. I'm just interested in doing it because I like it. And like I said, eventually putting it into a convention, letting other people have the fun and enjoyment of seeing what I've made. That that would that's worth more to me than pretty much the entire time that I was doing this as a business. And that's an amazing thing. Now, hypothetical, would you ever see yourself teaching people how to do this? You know, um, you know, holding seminars, classes, Zoom meetings, on how to create what you've created over the years. Well, that's what I did. That's I, I guess you could say that's what I started with my uh, with my YouTube channel, Droid Workshop. Um, there are other people out there who have YouTube channels and they do very similar stuff. Uh, I I got a degree in 2011 in digital TV and media, and unfortunately, right now that degree at two dollars ninety nine cents give me a monster can at Seven <laughs> Eleven. But I, you know, I, I do like doing you know video work and um, and. So I, I decided, hey, you know what? Rather than just put this together for myself, why don't I show other people how to do it? Because, you know, the guy who created, uh, like, my, my first, my biggest project so far uh, that I've actually filmed is the pit droid. I actually got files from a guy, uh, that guy in England named Dave, who, uh, no, it's another guy named Dave. Ah. Yeah, there's a there's a Facebook group called uh, Droid Division, uh, run by a guy named David, who actually is, he's the guy who created all these files. I bought the file from him, and now before anybody asks, yes, other people can 3D print for you if you don't have a 3D printer. If you want one and you don't have a 3D printer, you can get somebody else to print it for you. Uh, the only stipulation is. Uh, you have to purchase the file. Even though I have the file, and if somebody were to say, hey, can you make me a pit droid? It's like, yes, I can if you buy all the filament for me. You know, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, 
don't feel right charging for what I do because it's just for fun. But, you know, if they buy all the filament and the only other stipulation, like I said, is you have to buy the file from the guy who made the, the original droid files. So, you know, if they wanted me to do that, I could. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I want to do this as long as I can, you know, for fun. And uh, getting back to the videos, I started my video channel and I did a three part series on building the building the pit droid. Uh, and you can find them all on YouTube. Just look up Droid Workshop and look for the picture of the pit droid staring at you. Um, but I just I did it for fun, you know. It showed I in that in that video I showed the uh, how to finish the the 3D printed parts, how to put them together, how to do the painting, and I even did a short tutorial on the the uh, the lights in the eye. Um, and if you watch that that third part, that's where I did those lights and showed how to do the soldering and I actually took people step by step and instructed and, and taught them on, on the history of LEDs oh wow okay I, I like that now as we begin to wind down just a few more questions for you professionally as David White how do you want to be remembered oh um, well I've always said I want to be known as that guy not that guy you know, where people, when they when they hear my name, they're not like, oh, yeah, him. Uh, you know, honestly, if, whenever the time comes for me to leave this mortal coil and, uh, you know, move on to a different plane of existence, I really want people to think, man, he was a great guy. He, he did a lot of good stuff. You know, I'm going to miss his wackiness in the videos. I'm going to miss seeing him put this stuff together. Not, oh, great, thank God, I don't have to put up with that bull crap anymore. <laughs> so as I get to my I look at my final question here on the show, I'm gonna give the floor to you. So we've talked about your passions, you know, you know, for creating um, you know, these amazing things, whether it be droids, helmets, costumes, learning 3 D 3D printers, and this thing you've been doing for so many years, I want to give you the final word. You know, so say whatever you wish to and then we'll wrap it up. But before you do, I definitely want to say thank you for doing this. I've known you for over 20 years, and I've seen Dave's Cave, and I've seen all the, all the amazing creations that you've done, and, you know, how that's translated, you know, into your website, into your YouTube page. It just blows my mind, and I definitely want people to see your creation and mainly to be inspired by doing this because I never thought I could ever, ever do something like that, what you're doing. You know, but the way you explain it, it seems really simple. As long as you have, you know, like the grit, the determination to do it, it can be done. So, you know, before we say goodbye, I want to give you the floor, you know, to speak on whatever you wish to. The floor is all yours. Mm, you know me better than that. You know you shouldn't give me the floor to say anything I want. I'll go on for hours. <laughs> I could go on for hours and say absolutely nothing. Um... But uh, just to, you know, like you said, just to wrap up, uh, there are quite a few people that have been really big influencers for me in getting to where I am and showing me where I, I want to eventually be. Because, you know, it's a process. You're, you're never truly done. One of the sayings that we had with the Mandalorian Mercs was, once you're done with your costume, you're not done. Because you're always going to find new things that you want to do. Um, so for me, um, I have a lot of, there's too many people that I would want to uh, give a shout out to. But like, the main people that I would like to recognize uh, is a guy named Brian Thompson. He has a website called, or he has a YouTube channel called The Smuggler's Room. And uh, that pretty much got me started on wanting to do the videos that I'm doing showing me building the droids. Um, he's also started a Facebook group called um, Star Wars Room Builders, and that's eventually what I want to have in my old Mandalorian Arsenal shop. I mean, right now, you could probably say that it's already a Star Wars room because it looks like the trash compactor from Episode 4, you know, where you're constantly trying to climb over garbage just to get out. Uh, but I do have a plan for that, and, you know, it's a lot of it is thanks to people like Brian. Uh, there's also um, 
see what's his name, Sean Cash, I believe, from uh, Try to Finish Something. Uh, there's uh, another one called I Like to Make Stuff, where it's, uh, it's I have to apologize up front. I cannot remember the guy's name, but you know I like to make stuff. And then there's Van Oaks Props. Uh, there's another guy that has some stuff called his web his YouTube page is called Whitey's Wicked Workshop. Interestingly, uh, interestingly enough, his name is also David White. So we've, he's actually you know the, we've actually joked about that before. Um, but yeah, there's there's a whole lot of other people out there. I know I'm missing quite a few, uh, but those are the main ones that have inspired me to get to where I am right now and to keep going with it to eventually have a place that. You know, I, I can walk out in here and into my workshop and not think, oh, God, I can't concentrate because, you know, I still got trash I got to take out. Uh, it's I want this to be a better place for me to be able to do the videos that I do um, and just, you know, make it be a fun space and not be a, a task. Make it continue to always be fun. Because that's the main thing. You, you've got to have fun with what you do. You can't let it be like it was for me, where it, like I said, it became, you know, it became all about the job instead of the joy. And I, I eventually got to the point where I, I didn't like it anymore, and uh, I was just dreading getting up every day because, oh crap, I got to, I got to deal with another customer today. You know, I. But now I'm just, I'm having so much more fun. Uh, as a matter of fact, the uh, the microphone that I'm using right now is uh, it's a prop that I made for a friend of mine, uh, the music director at my sister's church. They wanted to do a music video, so I used my 3D printing uh, I design to make an insert to go inside a, a microphone to have a light in it to shine on the, the actress's face. So, you know, I just... Small stuff like that, you know. My, I have a, you know, those those battery operated lanterns where you pull it up and it turns the light on. I've actually designed a, a top cap for that to make it look even better. Um, I've done the pit droid. I'm I'm working on AZ, which is the medical droid from the Bad Batch cartoon series. Uh, I'm working on R two D two. Well, not R two D two. It's R two C three because my daughter wants to call it RC. Uh, I've made uh, R6J5, which is an R6 series astromech. Um, I, I just, I never want to stop, you know. I, I want to keep going as long as I can, as long as my hands will let me. Um, the only problem is, is you know, I, I kind of get into the habit of eating too much while I'm sitting here doing the work, <laughs> you know. So I, I, I put on a little bit of weight since I, since I started this, but... Uh, you know, my, my daughter loves it. She calls it her, she calls it my fluff. She says I'm her big teddy bear. Hey, and, uh, and, and that's yeah. all that matters on that one. <laughs> yeah. The biggest takeaway that I can say is, you know, don't don't lose your joy in doing this. If you're gonna start it, don't make it be a job. Make it be something that that brings you joy first and foremost. You know, screw everybody else. If nobody else likes it, that's not the point. The point is you're doing something for you. You're doing something that gives you satisfaction and fulfillment and, you know, and dare I say pleasure in looking at the stuff that you've created and say, I did that. You know, I made that. You know, not, not anybody else. I actually did that. My hands created that. You know, whether it's, you know, whether it's a file from Droid Division or whether it's, you know, something that you made yourself, your hands put it together. You made that. And, you know, just don't lose your joy in, in thinking that you have to do it. Do it because you want to do it. And that is an awesome message. And before we say goodbye, where can our listeners get in contact with you? Where can they see your work? You know, where can they have a connection with you or ask any questions? Uh, they can go to YouTube. And uh, like I said, I, my YouTube channel is called The Droid Workshop. Now, if you do a search for that, there is the Droid Factory from Disney's Star Wars area. Uh, but mine is, I, I specifically said workshop for two reasons. Number one, I didn't want it to be confused with the Disney stuff. And second of all, 
my name is David White, DW, Droid Workshop, DW. It's just easier for me to remember. Um, <laughs> but you can find me on YouTube. Uh, just, you know, look, like I said, right now my profile picture is my pit droid staring at you with his eye really bright, shining in your face uh, with the word Droid Workshop on there. Um, and uh, my, the last video that I did was, as I said, it was for fun. It was just for the simple pleasure of doing it. it was a pit droid leg lamp. So that's the, you know, if you want to type in a search for pit droid leg lamp, then uh, you should be able to find my channel. Awesome. And once again, thank you so much, David, for being part of the show, being part of the experience. This has been amazing. But I can't end it like this. I have a co-host of mine. Her name is Ashley Majestic. She has her own show um, called The Root of All Ashley. And just a little little Easter egg for her. She's a humongous Star Wars fan. And she's been peer pressuring me. She's such a bully um, to watch all the movies that's neither here nor there. So if you can give her a nice little Star Wars message, you know, what would you say to her? Because she knows everything about Star Wars from top to bottom. Is there something you could tell her to pique her interest or give her a little Easter egg about Star Wars? Oh, Lord, Easter egg about Star Wars. Um, that's a tough one because there's so many people who have already given away all the Easter eggs. Uh, well, I'm, maybe, I don't know if anybody's seen this yet or not, but the, uh, the last episode that just came out last week, or, uh, yeah, the week of... Uh, the, the January 19th, I believe, was the date of the episode of The Book of Boba Fett. Um, if you watch carefully, when Boba Fett is riding the Bantha into Moss Eisley, not only does he pass by the, all the Stormtrooper helmets on the spikes, but if you look in the background, you also see uh, Pell, the lady who helped uh, Din Djarin when he flew in, barely flew into Moss Eisley. Uh, she helped repair his ship uh, and took care of Grogu, or Baby Yoda for you Yoda fans. And her three pit droids are following after her, so that's, that's kind of a little Easter egg back there. But uh, if I may, Ashley, become a droidiac, and may the droids be with you. Sweet. Thank you so much, David. We're going to have you back, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. It's been my pleasure, man.